The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. All right, everybody, it is Thursday, July 28th, 2022, and it is indeed a heck of a morning. Live on the MMA Fighting Twitter spaces, you will hear the show shortly thereafter on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck. It is the eve of the eve of UFC 277. There is a lot going on right now. I am currently doing this show outside on my porch in the backyard because you may hear some noise here. We have air conditioning units basically on either side of me and they are going to hum and they are going to probably make some noise. But if I did the show inside, Command Center 4.0 is getting a makeover right now. Uh, We're getting some sound absorbing flooring put down in Command Center 4.0, which Used to be, I mean, it still kind of is the garage, but we are converting the garage into the command center. And it has been a process, and hopefully a process that has been very long and very tumultuous. Hopefully this is the beginning of the end of the Extreme Makeover Command Center Edition. So I got some Wi-Fi boosters installed in different points of the house, including in Command Center 4.0. So... All the Wi-Fi issues that you may have experienced on my end during the shows and the streams, all that stuff, that should be a thing of the past. I can run one of the boosters, a hard line, right into the computer, which will be hosting all of these videos. So a lot of that stuff, a lot of those issues since we moved the space, 
should be coming to an end. Of course, it's still going to be like 140 degrees in there for the foreseeable future while I'm doing these shows, but that's fine. I can deal with that as long as I have good Wi-Fi for the rest of my life. So if you want to swap me out of there, that's cool. I got no issue with that. As long as the Wi-Fi works, we don't have to deal with any audio or video production issues. I am good to go. But we have a lot to talk about. It's a big week. UFC 277 going down this Saturday. We got Juliana Pena versus Amanda Nunes. Part two, we got Brandon Moreno, Kai Car France for the interim flyway title. Derek Lewis is back. He decided that yesterday was going to be the day where he's just going to put the MMA media on blast in the fun Derek Lewis-ish kind of way. It was hilarious. You can go check out that scrum on our YouTube channel. Jose Youngs is in the Metroplex right now getting you ready for UFC 277. We have the first edition of Season 6 of Dana White's Contender Series on Tuesday. Dana White's been on one this week. Between his appearance on the Pat McAfee show, pretty much reacting to his gift that he gave to one of the Nelk boys, $250,000. I can't wait till somebody tags me in on that so I can give my reaction to that. He also only gave one contract to Joe Pfeiffer on the Contender Series. He gave the sort of 2022 abridged version of Do You Want to Be an Effing Fighter? It didn't even actually like say the words, Joe Pfeiffer, welcome to the UFC. Thank goodness for the great Laura Sanko for coming in and being like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. So, so Joe's in the UFC, right? And he said, Joe's in. There you go. Real quick, before we get to the callers, there's a bunch of you lined up. I loved every bit of that. Dana White's speech, all of it, only giving the one contract. I loved it. I thought it was fantastic because we've talked about it on this program. Maybe maybe Dana is a heck of a morning listener. Maybe, maybe he has joined all of you. Maybe your comments, you jumping in here, maybe he was like, you know what? Maybe he's right. The Contender Series has lost a little bit of that flavor. It's been chicken for five years. You could put seasoning on chicken. You could put barbecue sauce on chicken. You could put hot sauce on chicken. But if you eat the same chicken for five years, you're going to get sick of it. And the one thing I didn't want for the Contender Series was that it was going to get stale, that it was just going to lose some flavor. And as the seasons have progressed, especially after last season and the season before, I feel like it got a little stale because all you had to do was basically win. And you got a contract. But the first season, the second season, unless it was like kind of a hand-picked guy, like this is the guy, if this guy wins, he's probably in, no matter what, you had to fight for it. Like you had to earn your spot on the Contender Series. Now, were there mistakes made during those first couple seasons? Sure there were. I thought Austin Vanderford should have been in the UFC. Brandon Lochnade's another name that comes up that probably should have gotten a contract, even though he fought to a decision. Anthony Romero's another guy who probably should have gotten a contract during this stretch. But the one thing I don't want, didn't want to see was like, oh, all you have to do is go on the contender series and win and get a contract. I feel like this set the tone for the rest of the season. And I like that. I don't mind. I wouldn't mind watching a contender series where nobody got a contract. Like if nobody went out there and fought their ass off and they didn't give any contracts, like that's fine. Like you have winning a UFC contract should mean a lot more than it meant the last two seasons on the Contender Series. So I loved everything about what I saw on Tuesday from Dana White. The, Joe Pfeiffer is, a, is an animal. Those Philly guys just continue to do the damn thing. 
they just don't lose these days. They're just not losing at all. So good addition. Joe Pfeiffer is in, and we'll see what happens when uh we'll see what happens next week and the rest of the series. So rest of the season. Let's get into this. Let's get to the peeps. Let's go to Toke and get this party started. Toke, how are you, my man? I am just just thrust into chaos, and I love it. <laughs> Good to hear. So I have a slight problem, though. So do you have a napkin or a handkerchief? Because I'm trying to get Ali Abdelaziz to stop drooling over a Patty Pimplet matchup. Listen, Mark Madsen is not getting that fight. You can't even tweet like Mark Madsen normally tweets. You don't know how he tweets. You just tweet from Mark Madsen's account and just think, well... People are not going to know because it's Mark Madsen's official account. Listen, Mark Madsen doesn't talk trash. He's never done that. And he's called someone else out. But, oh, does he see dollar signs, this this, uh, this sleazy manager, Ali Abdelaziz, who doesn't even think about how his clients are tweeting normally. Mark Madsen rarely tweets. And now he goes on a tweet rant for the entire of UFC London. Get the F out of here, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's so ridiculous. So I'm sorry. I just had to get that out there. I couldn't be here on Tuesday. And let me tag you in then because I saw all the Dana White uh, stuff this week. And I mean, the honest to God truth, it made sense what he said about the, uh, about the milk boys. Why shouldn't he just give whatever he wants? Like, it's it's kind of weird that I'm on Dana White's side on this because I'm never. But it's his money. It's not He's not taking it out of the fighter pay. So what does it matter? Okay, that's all for me. Thank you. Thank you, Toke. I appreciate the tag in. Uh, I will get to that in a moment. Yes, I, I understand where you're coming from. We saw it from Usman Nurmagomedov's Twitter account as well, calling for the fight with Patricky Pitbull. We know where it's coming from. We know what's happening here. It happens a lot. Just go to Henry Cejudo's Twitter page and just scroll on down. Just scroll on down. And you can tell which tweets are from Henry and which tweets are not from Henry. Uh, And there's a lot of that going around amongst the stable of clients. So I get where you're coming from. And by the way, I have zero interest in watching Patty Pimblett fight Mark Madsen because why would you do that? Mark's just going to take him down and keep him down for 15 minutes. Like Mark Madsen, I was in Jacksonville after he beat Vince Pichel in a gritty little fight. A lot of people weren't thrilled with the third round from Mark Madsen. I know the Jacksonville crowd booed him a little bit. And that's like, listen, I've said this a million times. The way the pay structure is in MMA, your job is to go out and win fights. So you get the second half of your paycheck. And Mark Madsen was there saying, give me a top 15 guy. I'm ready for a top 15 guy. And now all of a sudden he wants to fight Patty. Like, I come on now. We, we know that's not Mark. Mark doesn't want to fight. Like, if they offered him Patty, what's he going to say? No. But I can assure you, just from talking to Mark a couple of different times in Jacksonville, the Patty fight as the competitor that he is is not the one he's looking for. He's looking for the ranked guys at 155. He wants to move up that ladder. He wants to prove that that he belongs in the rankings and good on him. Now, the other thing, I'm so glad that Dana actually responded to this because if you guys missed this, 
Dana was on the Pat McAfee show, and this is a Pat McAfee type of interview where Pat, who I, I have a lot of respect for, I get where he's coming from, was asking questions such as, Dana White, have you lost weight, and things like that, which is, which is funny. He did the same with Vince McMahon. That's who he is. He's not a journalist, so I don't expect him to ask the hard questions. Uh, but one of his guys w- was tagged in to ask question. He asked, you know, what's it going to take to get a $250,000 $250, cash gift like he gave to Kyle of the Nelk Boys? Now, when this happens, we wrote about it, obviously, because it was there for the world to see. And then I was asked about it on this show. And I said from the get-go, I have no problem with it. Dana has worked his ass off and he can spend his money however he wants to spend his money, all right? And I agree with him. He's not going to the, to the safe that says UFC fighter pay and pulling out a quarter million dollars so that he could give it to his friends or putting a, a piece of paper that says IOU fighter pay fund $250,000. This is Dana's money. Dana can do whatever he wants with his money. So the gift itself, I, like, who like, gives a shit? Like, it doesn't matter. The issue I had with the whole thing was that if I were to give somebody two hundred, which I'm not giving anybody two hundred fifty thousand dollars, by the way, so don't even ask. Well, let's just say I had that Dana White fu money, and I wanted to give a gift of two hundred fifty thousand dollars to somebody. I am not going to take my cell phone out and take a video of that and be like, "Hey, look at me! Look at this gift I'm giving." And I'm not saying Dana did that because Dana didn't take the video. The bad look of it all was that the dude from the Nelk Boys took the video, and that Dana is like. Yeah, man, here's the gift I gave you. And Dana allowed it to happen. Now, I thought at first, like, Dana was going to be pissed about it. Like, if I'm Dana White, I'm like, dude, what the hell, man? Like, why would you put this video out there on social media? You understand the type of backlash I'm going to get from this because we know how the media can be. And I've said from the get-go, Dana can spend the money however he wants. I just thought it was kind of a look, considering how prevalent fighter pay is in the conversation and stuff like that. But now, after hearing this response, which, by the way, if, uh, if you missed it, here's what he said. Let me set this record straight. First of all, all these people on the internet, go F yourself. I spend my money however the F I want to spend my money. Mind your own effing business, number one. Number two, if you look at what Kyle and the Nelk Boys have done as far as Hollerhead and a lot of other things they've done, those kids have never asked me for anything ever. Never asked me for anything, and they couldn't be better people. Kyle has done so many things for me, and believe me, the $250,000 that I gave him for his birthday does not cover the amount of things that that kid has done for me. So don't count other people's money. Mind your own effing business. Which, by the way, no issue with that response at all. This is where it gets interesting. A lot of this is driven by the scumbag MMA media. So what happens is they act like there's this massive safe here at the UFC offices that says fighter pay on it, and I just go in there and grab whatever I want out of the fighter pay. No, you effing pieces of S. This is money that I actually have made over an entire career, and I will spend it however the F I want. What drives them crazy is they don't know about our business. They don't like the fact that they don't know. They want to know effing everything like all these other sports. You find out we're already hearing what's going on with the negotiations with the Boston Celtics and possibly Durant. I don't tell these effing people anything ever. You know what they know? What I tell them, and I tell them nothing because I can't stand them and I don't trust them. So that's Dana's response to this whole thing. I'm not a conspiracy guy, but when this video first popped out, you could go back into the archives and listen to this. I said, Dana's probably going to be pissed off about this video. Like, why would you do that? 
But then I thought to myself, Dana hasn't had a, a chance to rip on the media that often. So maybe this is an opportunity. Maybe, maybe Kyle was like, hey, Dana, you mind if I post this video? And maybe Dana was like, hmm, no, you probably shouldn't. And he was like, you know what? Let's see how the media reacts to this. Just so if it comes up again, I can blast them. Because Dana loves to do that any chance he gets. So at first I was like, Dana, if I'm Dana, I'm probably pissed that this video has gotten released. But now at the end of this, I think this is probably part of the, not part of the plan, but I think he was probably just like, you know what? Let's get the hamster wheel roll and let's see how these people go. Let's see, let's see the reaction to this. And as you know, I had no problem with the gift. I just thought it was kind of weird. And I thought it was kind of weird that it was made public. Because listen, if you're going to give somebody, I don't get, like Dana could have given the Elf Boys $5.7 million in a shoebox. And I wouldn't care. Like Kyle could have just been like, hey, Dana, thanks for the great gift, man. What a relationship we have. And put it on social media. And like, no one even like cared about it. Wouldn't have been the thing. But the fact that it was on video, the fact that he was like, oh, look at what my friend Dana gave me. He gave me $250,000. Like, that's a whole different thing. That's a whole different thing. And the look was kind of weird. And that's why I got the reaction that it did. But again, to clarify my sentiment of this whole thing, I have no issue with Dana giving gifts to anybody. Dana could give money. He can give whatever the hell he wants. He could buy the Nelk Boys each a Ferrari if he wants. I don't give a shit. But at the same token, don't take this as an opportunity to like just rip on the MMA media because like because I don't. It's public now. Now we get to see it. Like people got to see it. It is because of that. People reacted the way that they reacted to it. Now, if that video does, isn't, isn't released, we're not talking about this at all. If Kyle just posted on Twitter, hey, Dana, best birthday ever. Thanks for the cool gift, bro. Like, we wouldn't even be talking about this right now. But it was a public video. Here we are. Again, I don't really care. But I, that reaction, I saw it on Pat McAfee. I was like, seriously, dude? Like, this is just, this is just dumb. This is just dumb. This is a story? Like, why is this a story? Why is this a shot at the MMA media? Like, whatever. And by the way, because it's my job, and I feel like I'm pretty good at this part of the job, a lot of the things that you don't want to quote-unquote tell us, we put out there before you do. So there you go. Soapbox. Let me hop down. Boom. Don, how are you, my man? We'll go to Don first. Let's see if we can get him on here. Make sure you're unmute. Oh, there we go. I got you, man. How are you? Mike. Yes. Mike. Hello. All right. It is on, uh, it is on your end, I believe, because uh, the audio is coming through on my end, uh, according to the recording. To the recording. So let's go to Ani. And let's see if Ani is here. Ani, are you, are you there? Hey, Mike. I would first, I'd like to say an incredible monologue coming from you. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. So, um, well, you know, we can go on and on about whatever uh, whatever happened between Dana and Nelk Boys, but I actually have, uh, you know, another question, if I can change the topic, if you don't mind. Please, uh, please, for the love of God, change <laughs> it, please. Yes, yes. So, you know, uh, um, uh, first, I would like to talk about G Alexander Gustafson and then a quick question about the Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena match. Uh, so, I mean, as we saw, Alexander Gustafson didn't look like himself. Uh, unfortunately, he, he lost. Um, and I, we've seen a lot of comments from people like DC and, you know, a few of them are saying that he has to retire. A few of them are saying that maybe dial back, 
you know, let's reduce the pollution a little bit. Uh, I mean, what I think must happen is, you know, uh, we know that uh, Shogun Hua, he has one more fight left on his contract, I guess. And they, I believe Dana said that they would honor that uh, fight or something. I think this is the right time to run it back between Shogun and Alexander Gustafsson to see who should retire and who shouldn't, as in who can still at least fight. You know what I mean? Because Alexander Gustafsson didn't really fight in the previous match. So what do you think about that fight? And uh, my second question is, would I be extremely disrespectful if I said that the only reason Amanda Nunes lost to Juliana Pena was because of the adrenaline dump she had in the round two. Yes, these are the two questions I have. That's it. Thanks, man. Yeah, the Gus thing was was kind of sad to watch just because you hate seeing guys who you have so much respect for just kind of lose their fastball, as Jed Bishu likes to say all the time. And uh, it seems like it seems like Gus has sort of lost his fastball. Um, I hate like I I. I don't like being that guy that's saying that that says like this dude should retire, this dude should retire because it's not my place. Like who the hell am I? Um, but yeah, if they wanted to do Gus versus Shogun like one last fight, I'd I'd be fine with that, and I think a lot of people would be cool with that as well. Let's just go out there and have a just have a, a legends fight because I think both would be uh, at least in the sport categorized in that world or at least like mentioned in the conversation. So yeah, if they wanted to do that, that's, that's totally fine. I don't know. Like it's, I can't really answer your second question. I don't know if it's disrespectful because at first view, I felt sort of the same way. Like she went out there and put it on Juliana and Juliana didn't go away. And Amanda had a dump and yeah, there's, there's probably a little bit of truth to that, but this is exactly the, the thing is Juliana Pena said that's exactly what was going to happen. She's like, she's going to, she's going to hit me. She's going to try to get me out early. I'm going to survive it because I'm tough as hell. And then I'm going to go out there. And I'm going to beat her. And that's exactly what she did. So maybe there's a little semblance of truth to that, but, but maybe Juliana, like that was her game plan. Just like, it's kind of like the game plan we kind of expected from Lauren Murphy when she fought Valentina Shevchenko, like just be as tough as you can just be tough and weather the storm. And, Juliana said, like, I'm going to go weather the storm and I'm going to get in her face. I'm going to beat her. So we'll see how Amanda sort of handles this. Like if Amanda, if Amanda's patience and slows things down a little bit, I'm, I'm interested to see how this fight goes, but I don't think Juliana is going to let her do that. I think as soon as Amanda tries to slow down and get her legs under her and try to be technical, I think Amanda's, I think Juliana's going to go right after her and just get in her face. And how will Amanda respond to that? So I am fascinated with this fight. Like I said earlier this week, my head tells me Amanda Nunes is going to win, but my gut tells me that MMA is just MMA and that the most MMA thing that could happen is that Juliana Pena beats her a second time. So we'll see. We'll see. It's an interesting matchup. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. Don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And new customers to DraftKings can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's insight assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go to Kevin Larkin. Kevin, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? Good. I have a quick question regarding the Anthony Smith fight. I noticed he's a plus 400 underdog. Do you think this is fair? Um, It's a little wide for me. It's a little wide. Like, on paper, I think A. Goliath is, is like the more complete fighter. But Anthony's just a dog, man. Like, the guy's just a dog. He gets in these fights that people think he's going to lose, and then he goes out there and wins. Like, it's just wild. And I'm curious to see how he looks in this one because this is not going to be your typical Anthony Smith-cornered fight. Like, normally he's got Mark Montoya in his corner and a lot of different guys from different gyms. I'm not sure where James Krause fits in this situation, but Chris Weidman's actually to be in his corner, like, Anthony Smith did do his camp at Factory X. He did a lot of his camp in South Carolina with with Weidman and and some of those other guys. So we'll see how much freer he is in there. I love the approach he's he's got with this whole thing because Anthony's got a got an analyst mind and you know a fighter's attitude. So he's probably watched, watched a lot of Magomed Ankle Lives. Probably been studying him for a while, and maybe Anthony kind of takes the same approach that. Juliana Pena is kind of taking where she's just going to get in there and get in her face or get in Ankalaev's face and make him work a little bit. So, but this is a huge fight for Magomed Ankalaev. This is a giant fight considering where this division stands right now because you got Yuri, you got Glover Teixeira. I would think they're probably going to do that rematch. I would be stunned if they didn't at this point. But this is also the chance for one of these two guys to just be like, nah. Don't do the rematch. I'm the guy. And Ankaliyev, we thought he was going to be the guy coming into that last fight with Tiago Santos. And it was just not a good performance. Like, it just wasn't. It was, a, it, was a, it was a fine win. He got the job done, which I said again, 
It's about winning fights and getting that second paycheck. But it gets to a point where if you're gonna if you're gonna fight for a title, if you want to be if you want to say that I'm the guy, I'm the guy that should fight for the belt, you got to do something more than just kind of walking through the motions and, and getting a decision. Now, I'm not a fighter, so who am I? But you gotta you gotta make a statement. I think Anthony's gonna be the guy that's gonna try to make that statement, and this is a huge job. Magomed's got to go out there and finish Anthony Smith. If he wants to be in this discussion, either way, I think it's going to be the rematch, but it's whether or not the winner of this fight will fight the winner of that fight. Or if the winner of this fight has to fight Jan Blachowicz first, which I think is going to happen unless you see something spectacular. Uh, so I feel like the winner of this fight's probably going to fight Jan and we'll go from there. But plus 400 seems wide. I, I mean, I love Anthony's approach and I think Anthony there are very few fights that I feel like Anthony can't go out and win. This is a tough one, but Anthony just always shows up in these types of situations for some reason. And he's great at weathering storms. He's durable as hell. We'll see what happens in this fight. I'm, I'm excited for it. It's, it's maybe the most fascinating fight on the entire card on Saturday. All right, let's try getting Don back in here. Let's see if this works. Can you hear me? Yes, hey, much better. How are you doing, Mike? Heck of a morning. Good, man. All that jazz. Indeed. Um, so uh, I had two two little short questions. So first thing is, if Juliana wins, I, I predicted Juliana was going to win too. I don't know what it is about in the first fight. I don't know what it is about uh, some fighters, man. When they start drinking their own Kool-Aid, bro, that's, when you, that's the beginning of the end. And I don't know. I just felt like Amanda wasn't really taking her seriously. She was just all caught up in the aura of, I'm this. You know, I'm that. So, um... Yeah, but my question is, do you think that Juliana, if Juliana wins this fight, what's next for her? Because you don't get no, you, you, get, you get starts twice, you don't get no no more rematches after that. You're done. You got to work yourself back up. You know what I mean? So what comes for Juliana after that? And then my other question is, Tatui Vasa, man, it would be crazy if that man won the heavyweight title. That would be great. Like, it would just be great fanfare if... Oh, we had you, Don, and we lost you, but uh, I think I got the I got the sense of the question anyhow, uh, and thank you so much. Um, what would be next for Juliana if she wins? Catlin Vieira, maybe? Maybe you do Vieira versus Raquel Pennington or something, and the winner of that gets it? I mean, that's probably where we're at, and as far as... Nunez goes like she still has the 145 pound title, so we could do that. Maybe you could. I don't know. I like honestly, these both these divisions need a need a shot in the arm badly, and I think if Juliana wins, it could provide that. I think it kind of did anyways the first time she won the belt. But again, we talk about this all the time, and it's such an understated point in MMA that to be the champion is one thing to defend the title once or twice, three times, like that's an incredible feat, but to do it five, six, seven, eight, nine times, it is so difficult to do. It's so hard. And what Usman has been doing, what Adesanya has been doing, all these guys who are long reigning champions to continuously show up, do the fight weeks, do all the media, everything that comes with it, the press conferences, the media days, the radio shows, all of that stuff. And then show up on fight night 
and take the very best that your opponent has to offer. Someone who's been studying you and getting ready to fight you for their entire careers. Honestly, like Juliana Pena has been preparing to fight Amanda Nunes probably for since she was on the ultimate fighter. You know what I mean? Like this is a fight that Juliana has wanted for a long time since UFC 200. That was like the first time that that Juliana was like, I want to fight Amanda. I want to fight Amanda. Like she's wanted this fight for a while. She's been ready for Amanda for a while. And that's what's so crazy about being a champ. It's so hard to be a long reigning champion. So when you look at what Adesanya is doing and some of these other guys, like it's really impressive. And that's why I feel like when we talk about records and numbers and statistics, I feel like Demetrius Johnson, Anderson Silva, those runs that we saw during their legendary runs as champions. I don't know if, I don't know if anyone's going to beat those records. Like I honestly don't. It's just so hard to be perfect or near perfect every single night. It's just so hard. Like look at look at Valentina Shevchenko. It happens to to everybody. It's just how can how do you deal with it? How do you deal with it? How does Amanda Nunes deal with something she hasn't done in so long? Losing a fight. Like it's just very interesting stuff from a from a mental perspective as long you know as well as the physical stuff. Let's go to, what did I just do? Let's go to my man, James. I'm going to try to get to all of you. You guys are absolutely insane, and I love it. James, how Good. are you? Good. How are you doing, Mike? Good. Good. Heck of a morning to you. I um, you. You. I don't know if you saw the news that Khabib is going to take Makachev to uh, Abu Dhabi 40 days before the fight. I, if you're Oliver's team and you hear that, do you do the same thing so there's no jet lag and nothing? And I don't know if you hearing that news made you think differently about the fight. Um, and also, I, I really need your help on this next one. Uh, Cub Swanson going down to 135. I need you to convince me that this is a good career choice for, for Cub. He's always been a fan of mine, one of my favorite fighters, actually the guy that got me into the sport. So I'm wishing the best for him. I'm assuming he knows what he's doing, and I know he's probably trying to get his body ready for um, oh crap sorry nate october yeah, uh Martin, that yes. one but the him and there's ah god dang another name just lost my mind but them two been neighbor yes thank you them two been going at it uh, maybe they might do a a fight down at california somewhere so maybe his body's getting ready for that i don't know but i hope the best for him and uh yeah mike thank you for all you do and have a heck of a morning thanks man the first thing, don't think that affects Oliveira at all. I don't think it changes anything for Oliveira. I don't think he's going to go there 40 days early. I think he'll just go – I don't think he'll go, like, the Sunday before. I think he'll probably spend maybe an extra week there, maybe. But he doesn't need to go there 40 days early. He doesn't need to, to adjust to the time that much. Um, but if Islam wants to go there 40 days early and Habib feels like that's the best thing for him, then good on him. That's his decision. But I, I honestly don't think this affects Oliveira at all. I don't think Oliveira is like, oh, my God, he's going there 40 days early. I got to go there 41 days early. I got to beat him there. I don't think he's thinking that at all. So I don't think that affects much. The Swanson thing is is kind of interesting because if he was to go to 35, I thought it would have been for the Uriah Faber fight. I didn't think there'd be really any other option for him, if we're being honest. But to see him fight Jonathan Martinez at 135, maybe he's – 
maybe he's just gonna go there and stay there. I, I maybe that's his plan. I don't know. Jonathan's a tough fight, man. That's a tough first fight at 135. Not a lot of reward, a lot of risk. And Jonathan's not a ranked guy. He doesn't talk a lot. I call him the silence behind the violence. Been calling him that for years. There's just very little reward here, but maybe just at this point in Cubs' career, like he's done it all. He's he's fought for belts. He's made evented at 45. He's fought the who's who at, at 45. Maybe it's just something that he needs to do for himself. Maybe it's just another challenge he wants to accomplish uh, in the UFC. Maybe he sees a better path. I, I don't like. I honestly don't know what he's thinking. I know the 35 thing is something he's thought about, but I thought it was pretty much solely for just the Faber fight and doing like a WEC reunion type deal. But I don't know. Maybe this is a maybe Faber's like, hey, go go make the cut once, and let's make sure you can make it, and then. And then maybe I'll take the fight. I don't know. Both guys seem to want it. It seemed like a no-brainer. So I'm, I'm kind of stunned by it. But, hey, listen. Guy's been talking about it. So good on him. Uh, let's go to Yasser, the boxing guy. Are you there? Mike, my friend. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Uh, I'm good. Uh, first of all, I want to, to talk about Moreno and Figueredo. Uh, do you think sure. that uh, Moreno has uh, uh, deserved deserve the the third fight fight between them? Uh, especially he he showed that uh, he is very good at everything. You know he he was a wrestler and you know I think he he deserved the the the, the third the third fight between him and the other guy, Figredo. What do you think about that? Uh, and uh, what do you think about uh, Juliana, Bina, and uh, uh, that Nunez? Uh, I, I think Mike uh, uh, Bina uh, has the key uh, uh, to win in this fight. You know, uh, I, I, I mean the, the, res- the wrestling... The wrestling, you know, uh, she she remind me of George Sandpier and uh, Habib. So I think she she has the key, you know. Uh, she will repeat that the same the same thing. She will uh, take Nunes down and she will control the fight. What do you think about uh, about this this point? The the wrestling. Do you think she she will do uh, uh, do it very well? And that's it. Uh, all right. Thank you, sir. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I said after this would actually be the fourth fight between Moreno and Figueredo, which is crazy, like four fights in a row. Like that should have been nuts. I would have loved that. Uh, did not happen. Figueredo's hurt. Now we get the interim title fight, which I'm also OK with, because now, especially after Kai Car France goes out there and beats Askar Askarov, he has a compelling case to fight for the belt as well. And now we just have two guys basically in a glorified number one contender fight with an interim title. Both guys are going to make a couple extra bucks, which I'm always in favor of. I love it. Figueredo didn't have, didn't really like it. He thought he was being disrespected, but at the same token, like especially in this division where we're having these conversations, we're trying to figure out the number one contender is he's coming out and saying, Oh no, Kai Car France is the guy, but I think there's more to it than that. I don't think it's actually Figueredo saying this. It's probably Cejudo and, 
Captain Eric in his ear telling him to say these things. Um, this is a huge, like, the winner of this against Figueredo is, like, a much bigger fight. Like, Figgy can't fight right now. He's hurt. Can't fight till the end of the year. So now you do this fight. It's not out of disrespect. I've come, like, most people have just come to realize that interim titles are not, they're just number one contender fights with, like, a number one contender belt. And they're getting championship pay. And that's fine. That's fine. That's why there's a lot of talk about that at 145 right now. Volkanovski just fought. Just fought earlier this month. Like, earlier, the beginning of this month, Volkanovski fought and defended his title. And now there's talks about Josh Emmett versus Yair Rodriguez for an interim title. And some people are upset about that. The, the purists, if you will. And some people are like, it's just a number one contender fight. We're just putting a title on. So disrespect to Volkanovski. Even Volkanovski was like, yeah, do the interim title fight. That's fine. That's fine. So that is what it is. I would have given it to Moreno if he could go. And I think that's the direction they would have gone. But here we are. And now we get two bangers at 125 for the price of one. And there you go. I love it. The Pena Nunes thing, like, it wasn't the wrestling that won Pena that first fight. It was her ability to just take punishment and just be like, you ain't nothing. That's and When that happens, like, there is something that goes on in your mind as a fighter where it's just like, oh, damn. Like, I just threw the kitchen sink at this girl, and she's in my face throwing punches, and that's what Pena did. She got out of that second round. I remember that fight. I remember the thing that really stood out in that first fight was the corner advice to Julieta Pena, where she's like, hey, we knew this was going to happen. Now just go out there and be you. Just go out there and go crazy and be you. And Julieta Pena's like, okay. And she went out there and just went bananas and won the fight. Like, we'll see what happens. Like, I just, Pena is going to push the pace on this fight. This fight, it's going to be a quick pace fight. I think Nunes is going to try to slow things down. If she does, Payne is going to try to get in her face, which is probably the best thing she could do. If she wants to have like a stand-up, like technical, slower-paced fight, Nunes is going to win that all the time. But I think Payne learned from that first fight. I think Payne's team learned from that first fight that we got to we got to try to get Amanda into deep waters. We got to take the floaties off Amanda and just make her swim for miles and miles, swim as fast as she can, and we'll just see if she can we, she can hang. Let's see if she can keep afloat. And I think that's the best way. And we didn't really see the wrestling till after Juliana had Amanda badly hurt and exhausted. Then we saw the takedown, and then she knew Amanda was pretty much cooked at that point, and choked her, and that was it. So we'll see. There's a lot of factors in this fight. We'll see how Juliana sort of handles Nunez's pace. Is Nunez going to come out aggressive, or is she going to try to slow things down and try to make it her fight? Either way, I think Juliana Payne is going to be super aggressive in her own right, and I'm curious to see how it all goes down. All right, let's go to Brian. Brian, are you there? Brian Gross. Make sure you unmute. Sorry, Mike. Sorry about that. All good, man. How good. are you? How are you? What's up? Uh, a couple questions Wonderful. here. Uh, one, good to hear. Uh, one, do you think this pay-per-view, super generic question first, just pay-per-views just worth the money because they're are like a lot of big names on like a UFC fan perspective. I mean, obviously the goat, uh, Moreno, KKF has been big. Obviously, Derek Lewis, Anthony Smith, but like God, the rest of the card is tough. I love uh, Semmelsberger, Morano, but the rest of it's kind of tough. But that also kind of plays my next point of: Do you think they're kind of stacking fight nights 
almost too much now because of the the uh, rare of like the rareness of them going to actual cities and going to arenas now because like for instance France is like stacked I mean they they have like Cedric Dumbe who's like a sick kickboxer on the prelims I mean that that card is like basically a pay-per-view so do you think like with the amount of Apex cards it's kind of watering down pay-per-views in a way because they seem to be stacking the fight nights so much I might be looking too much into it but uh thanks Mike hope you have a good day Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's it's tough. It's super hard because the UFC has this deal with ESPN. They have to stack. They have to put 43 cards together per year. And you have all these fighters, and you have to try to balance them out somehow. Because you remember going into 276, we were like, okay. Like, 275 ended up being – it. 275 over-exceeded expectations. No doubt about it. Like, we had a certain level of what 275 was going to be, and it ended up – over over delivering no doubt about it 276 on paper we're like holy cow like this is this is a stacked card this is a loaded up card and it was a fun card the main event sort of left a a bad people's mouths adesanya gets the win and i don't necessarily like listen i don't necessarily agree with the with and i've said this before i don't think he was really to blame for how that main event went but it is how it is that's how people we have to remember it coming from the perspective of you guys who have to spend $75 on these cards. And especially this time in particular, because think about it here. 276 happened earlier this month. Now we're asking you four weeks later in the same month to spend another $75 on this card, which Peña Nunes is great. There's a story there. Moreno Kaikar France is a banger, but like, it's not going to sell. I mean, the main card is great. Like, Derek Lewis is there. The matchup with Sergey Pavlovich is interesting. Pantoja, Alex Perez is going to be a banger. And then Ankalaev, Anthony Smith might be, might be like the most intriguing fight on the entire card. But that's those five fights are what we're asking you to pay $75 for, or what the UFC is asking you to pay $75 for. The rest of the prelims, you don't have to pay for that. Or you have to pay like the monthly subscription to ESPN. Plus. But most of us have that anyways. So you're getting those fights just kind of in in addition. Plus you get, they're going to be on ESPN as well, the the final four prelim fights. So, I mean, it's fine. But now you're asking 75 bucks here. There's 75 bucks there. And then three weeks later, we have another pay-per-view with Kamara Usman versus Leon Edwards. That's a, That's like a fine card. It's not great. Let me pull up 278 right now. I know somebody asked earlier what I thought about 278 as a lineup. And I feel like this one needed some help. And it's got 35. We got Paul Costa, Luke Rockhold. I mean, listen, it's a, it's, a, it's a fine fight. It's a fine fight. But you have two guys who, let's be honest, not the most reliable of folks. And they're fighting each other. So... I'd love to see it if it happens. Jose Aldo Marabdual is really is a great fight. And then we got Marcin Tybora, Alexander Romanov. I'm very high on Romanov. But then from there, it's like, it, it's, and I'm not trying to be a, a, a dick here. I'm not trying to be disrespectful. Sean Woodson, Luis Saldana, Arichi Lang, Jay Perrin, Tyson Pedro, Harry Hunsucker, Victor Altamirano, Daniel Da Silva, Lucy Pudalova, Wu Yanan, AJ Fletcher, Ange Lusa. Amir Albazi, Francisco Figueredo, Jared Gordon, Leonardo Santos, Miranda Maverick, Shanna Young. It's not great. It's not a great card. Like, for 75 bucks. And then, three weeks after that, 
we got Hamzat versus Nate Diaz. And we know everyone's going to buy that because you don't want to miss what's going to happen there. And they're going to, that, that one needs a co main event. And I think the UFC is well aware of that as well. So there you go. It's hard, man. Like, listen, it's expensive to be a UFC fan, especially in the United States. Especially, it's expensive to be an MMA fan. Here, it's going to cost you twelve hundred bucks. Like, if you just if you just want to watch the UFC in Bellator, and you watch all the pay per views, it's going to cost you twelve hundred bucks. That's what's going to cost you. A lot of these other sports don't have that problem, but the ones who love MMA, we freaking love it, right? And we're willing to invest in it, but it's tough. It's just a tough hang, man. It's tough to ask 75 bucks for all these pay-per-views. And it's tough for the UFC, especially in the world we live in with COVID still lingering and all this stuff. Like it's tough, man. Like it's tough. And injuries happen like card subject to change, man. It's hard. It's hard for both. Like I don't blame the UFC at all. They're doing the best they can. They have to put 43 cards on. It's this deal they have with ESPN. So they're trying to fill cards. And we've seen these some of these fight night cards that are like, oh, boy. Like, this is the main event. This is the rest of it. Like, And we go in and we watch everything. And as I know us at MMA Fighting, we try to find positives in everything. We try to find low-key bangers. We try to find all these different things to make these cards a little more enjoyable just to get us up a little bit more for it. But it's tough, man. It's, it can be tough, especially when you have to look at it from a perspective of just a fan who's like, man, 75 bucks here, and then later this month, i got to pay another 75 and then three weeks later, another 75 and then three weeks later, another 75 and then 278 is just ridiculous. And there's another 75 You don't want to miss that one. So, I mean, it's, it's tough. I feel for you guys. I do. I really do. Let's go to... I mean, it's the Sean McNeil. Like the James Krause. Sean, how are you? Hey, Mike. How's it going? Big fan. First time uh, speaking. I guess I have just two quick questions here. The first is I was just curious if you had any predictions or what you think might be the co-main event for the Nate Diaz-Homsalk card. I really thought that would be a great co-main event for the uh, Usman card, especially that press conference. It would just be unbelievable with those four fighters on the stage. And the second question is just around Aljamain. He's talked a lot about going up to 145 because of Marab. And obviously if Marab beats Aldo, there's a good chance that he might become the number one contender. So I guess my question for that is, do you think Aljamain, after just one or two title defenses after TJ, could go right into a title fight, especially with how kind of stacked 145 is? And then, yeah, just to add on, big fan, Mike. Uh, just have to get a little jab in there. I know you're a big Boston fan. I'm from Toronto. So seeing that Jalen Brown SMH tweet just made me happy. All that dysfunction. But uh, no, no, once again, Mike, big fan. But uh, sorry to hear about Jalen Brown getting a bit angry about that KD trade. I listen, you know, I, being in South Carolina, I took my kid to a golf lesson yesterday. And, and, you know, I don't have hair on my head. So I don't have a lot to protect the old dome piece. So I, I wear a hat and I wear my Red Sox hat. And I mean, I got to tell you, ages 10 to 90, everyone had a comment. Oh, man, you're from Boston? Oh, it sucks to be you. Oh, how you feeling? I heard 26 people try to jump off the bridge in Boston earlier this month. Like the old people telling their old jokes, it's hilarious. And you just kind of take it in stride. Like 10 years ago, 10 years ago, ask, you could ask my wife about this. I was a much different Boston sports fan than I am now. 
Like I am invested and I care and I want them to win. Like I was fully invested in the Celtics playoff run. I was fully invested in the Bruins playoff run and I watched the Red Sox and all that stuff. Like, but it's not like it used to ruin my week. It used to ruin my week, my day, my month. If the Red Sox got knocked out of the playoffs or the Patriots lost the playoff game or all that stuff. But now I'm just like, yeah, it sucks. And then I get mad for like 10 minutes and then I just turn the page and go to sleep and move on to the next thing. Like, that's all that it is. Uh, as far as the other stuff goes, co-main event for 277 or 279, excuse me. I have no clue. It would feel like a perfect spot for Chandler Poirier, but it's, I mean, we're not that far away. I mean, that, that, that seems like a, that'd be a great spot. The other thing I would ponder is maybe you try, and I don't I have no idea how this is going to work, but you find a way to get Colby on that card just in case something happens. Like maybe you put a welterweight fight on there. I don't know. Like I, I like I'm trying to look at like what could be available because I don't think they're going to put a title fight on there. And like Chandler Poirier just seems like the best option. I just don't know if they're going to both be ready for September 10th. I don't know. I have no clue what they're going to do, but they're actively looking. That's for sure. I'm curious to see what they do. I would guess maybe some welterweights would be involved just because you got two guys like Shamayev and Diaz. And like, what happens if one of those guys don't show you need to have, you need to be able to, you need to be able to, to fill that spot. Maybe Mazadal finds a way on that card just in case. Like, I don't know. I don't like, I honestly, I, I literally have no clue what they're going to do, but they got to do something. They got to add something to it, even without it. But actually, maybe they don't need to do anything because that fight with the card as is is going to do close to a million pay-per-views just because of that main event because both those guys are big stars. As far as the other thing goes, mm, I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what Alger's going to do. 145 is a mess right now. So I don't know what they're going to do, honestly. But I love that fight. Aldo versus Marab. There's a part of me that just wanted to see Aldo in that title fight to begin with instead of TJ, just because what a story that would be. But if Aldo goes and beats Barab and then beats Aljo and wins the title, holy crap. What a story that would be. All right. We had an anti-Boston talk. Let's get some pro-Boston talk with Luke. Got the Bruins jersey on, so I'm feeling, I'm feeling positive about this one. Luke, how are you? Morning, Mike. I'm doing good. Hope you're well. Um, yes. Yeah, I guess you already touched on it a little bit, but I guess I just wanted to, uh, just wanted to talk about, uh, Lionheart Smith a little bit. I don't think he's getting any respect at all. He's on a three fight winning streak, all first round finishes. Sure. One of them was a, uh, was a, an injury, but that was, that was stemming from a leg kick from him. I think if he beats Ankalaev in any way, he should be, he's head and shoulders above Jan Blachowicz or the next up in line. Um, secondly, I just wanted to talk about um, about uh, Jack Hermanson. He's getting a lot of crap for, for his fight last week against Chris Curtis. I, I do not understand why. I thought his striking looked amazing. I thought, I thought he, he fought a really fight against a good striker and a short-notice opponent. Um, I, I, I didn't think he was running at all, and yeah, I guess I just... Uh, comments on 
Curtis's uh, post antics and his crazy uh, Twitter interactions lately. All right. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, buddy. Uh, so, yeah, I feel like Anthony Smith's not getting enough love. He typically doesn't. And let's not forget, a lot of people go back and they, they, they look at the Glover Teixeira fight. And they look at how that fight ended. And they look at how... Let me just pull up Anthony Smith's current run just so I can look at it. Because you remember that, like, there was a lot of crap about his, his corner and his team and his coaches and the referee didn't stop that fight. Let's not forget, before, like, the third round, Anthony Smith was looking tremendous. Like, go back and watch the first two rounds of Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira from May of 2020. Anthony Smith looked sensational. He was moving around like a freaking lightweight out there landing at at will and then he just got tired and glover you can't get tired against a guy like glover because he will just sit on you and beat you down and that's exactly what he did so maybe the gameplay the rackage fight wasn't great because rackage just took him down and and won and but look he's come back Devin clark was impressive jimmy crude's impressive the ryan span win was impressive ankle lives a different level than all of those guys but anthony loves this stuff Go back and watch his fight with Hector Lombard. That's like one of my favorite Anthony Smith fights. Whole time he's talking to Hector Lombard saying, you know my name now? I'm going to get your respect by the end of this thing. And I feel like Anthony's going to go in with that kind of chip on his shoulder. Anthony Smith's got nothing to lose here. He's got nothing to lose. After the Glover Teixeira Alexander Rakic fight, where we like if I said, hey, guess what? Three fights from now, we're going to be talking about Anthony Smith fighting for the light heavyweight title again. If I did that on this show after the Alexander Rockets loss, you would have laughed in my face. And look what this guy has done since then. So we'll see what happens. If he beats Ang- if he beats Ankoliath, man, like at MMA fighting, we we are very high on Ankoliath. Like Jed Bashu feels like Ankoliath is the best light heavyweight in the world. And maybe he is, but this is a great test for both guys. I love the matchmaking here. We have two title fights, but I feel like in terms of intrigue and just pure matchmaking. This is the most intriguing fight on the entire card, in my opinion. I can't wait to see it. Uh, all right, we'll go to Tito, Derrico, Kareem, King Cat. We're, we're trying to get to everybody, but we're running out of time here. Uh, there's a lot going on. Like I said, the precursor yesterday, chaos is ensuing in the Heck household. So, uh, Tito, we'll go to you first. How are you? How's it going, Mike? I'm second time listener talker. I was here in the last pay per view. I was actually the one who said that Jalen was going to guillotine Brad Riddell early. I don't know if you remember that, but um, I'm actually excited yes. for the fights, fights we're having this weekend. You know, like most people. Um, Sergei Pavlovich, do, do you have any idea you know, on his movements forward? I actually think he's a, he's a massive heavyweight and he punches massive too. He actually has comparable reach to John Jones, while being obviously as thick as you can imagine, you know, heavyweight. And I think David Cruz fighting at home again is going to Coming under the pressure, and Pavlovich is going to make a name of him. Maybe, man. I like the matchmaking here as well. Uh, Pavlovich is a is a mystery. I remember, you know, when AK and I started on to the next one. After every like heavyweight fight that involved a guy somewhere near the top fifteen, it was always like, "Where's Pavlovich? Where's Pavlovich? Where is this guy?" And then he was gone for a couple of years. He had a bunch of fights fall through for various reasons. And he goes out and just bolts Shamil Durahimov. I feel like we kind of know where Shamil Durahimov is at this point in his career. But Derek Lewis is just, listen, 
the Derek Lewis thing is just a it's just a fine it's just a fine fight. It's a fine fight. It makes sense. Uh and we'll see. It one of two things. Like, not a lot of people are expecting Derek Lewis to win this fight, but if he did, it's just awesome. Because we just love Derek Lewis. He's just a personality. His media scrum yesterday was the best. It was just so funny. Uh, and that's and that's the thing about Derek Lewis. Like, he says like the MMA media like rips him to shreds and stuff like that. I don't think that's true at all. Like, I don't think that's true at all. We all I think we all agree that we all love Derek Lewis. And we all agree with Derek. Derek says like I just do this like this is just fun. Like I don't take this stuff seriously. I don't watch fights. I don't study fights. I just go in there and try to punch people as hard as I can in the face. And we love and respect the honesty of Derek Lewis. Like we love that about him. So yeah, this is just a either Derek's gonna lose or Derek's gonna get a highlight reel knockout. And like none of those things will surprise me. Like Derek is such a wild it's a wild card versus wild card matchup. And I and I love everything about it. But we'll see. He is being slept on a little bit, but because Pavlich is just kind of such a mystery, it's just is what it is. All right, Derek O. Then we'll go to Korean, they'll go to King Cat, they'll go to Kevin. Derek O. Good go morning, ahead. Mike. I uh, just rewatched the Kai Car France Brandon Moreno fight last night. Hell of a fight, by the way. Uh, I was just wondering, and obviously both guys have come definitely a long ways since then. They both looked like babies in there. Um, do you think the five round uh, this time around, do you think that favors Moreno or does that give Kai like more opportunity to land that right hand? Cause he definitely cracked Moreno a bunch in that fight, but uh, Moreno just did his thing dancing around. Um, I don't know. I think this is going to be a hell of a fight and it's definitely going under the radar a little bit, but who do you think the five rounds favors more? Probably, probably Moreno because he's been there already. He's done it a couple of different times, but I don't think it's going to play that big of a factor with either of these guys. If we're being honest, I think both are very serviceable 25ers. I think Kaikar France been waiting for this opportunity for a while. I think Kaikar France has been sort of readying his body for five round opportunities. So I feel like both these guys are going to be ready. What I'm curious about is how Brandon Moreno looks no longer being at interim, now working with. James Krause and the crew over Glory MMA. Like, is there going to be anything? Di- are we going to see anything different from him? Is he going to have a new approach? Is he going to like? Uh, how's his mentality? Like, we saw the media scrum. Typical Brandon Moreno. Good stuff. That that I'm very curious to see what kind of approach Brandon takes to this fight. Leaving the comfort of the gym he's been at for so long, and then Kai Car France is just on a roll. Like, there's just certain fighters and certain runs people are on where you look at their resume and you look at the guys they fought and you look at the situations they're in and you're just like, man, this guy can't lose right now. And I feel like KKF is just one of those guys right now. Just like, it's going to take something special to beat this dude. So we'll see. I, I love the fight. It is kind of flying under the radar as, as most of these flyweight fights fly under the radar. But I reflect back on when they were going to get rid of this division. Why? Why are we going to get rid of this division? It's so fun. It's just so fun. And now look at what we're getting right now. I see Jay Cadley on here, another 25er to get excited about. Flyweight is the best. Well, it's not the best, but it's great. It's a great division. Kareem, how are you? Hey, Mike. How you doing? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm great. Thank you. Uh, good morning to everyone. And um, I wanted to ask you a question. It's not about UFC 277, but Earlier, a few questions ago, you touched on something, so it's a great segue that I wanted to talk about, which is UFC. 
279, right, uh, in August, less than a month from now. So the, the, the main event is obviously Usman versus Leon Edwards, and there's also Paulo Costa versus Luke Rockhold. Uh, another fight that you also mentioned and was Aldo versus Marab. And, well, obviously, this fight is a banger. Uh, and I'm sorry, I will be annoying. I'm that annoying Jose Aldo fan. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about, I don't know if you addressed this piece of information, you probably did in, in other heck of a morning uh, recordings. He had an interview with Combate just a few days ago in which he basically talked of his career and his plans. And he said that he wanted to be the champion, to win the belt and retire. So um, two questions. The first one is, I don't know if it's too early to say that, but just to reflect on the incoming retirement of honestly one of you know one of the last dinosaurs of an era that is gone now you know the a sort of a golden era you know with john jones and gsp and anderson silva and dominic cruz when they were really at their prime so that's the incoming retirement of a giant uh, which i don't think we talk about enough because you know how jose aldo is you know he's very very like brazilian located so it's much more difficult for I think U.S. and maybe European fans to latch on to him. And the second question beyond the reflection is, let's suppose, hopefully, I hope it doesn't happen, let's suppose that Marab, by the way, Marab went good. Could we imagine into, in UFC 278, given what he said after the fight, do you think he could retire there? Thank you, Mike. Uh, maybe. Ah oh, man, I sir, I I just hope I hope not. God, I hope not. Ah, oh, I didn't want to think about that. If Jose Aldo retires and never gets to fight for the belt again, that would that might crush my a little bit. So there's a possibility. I didn't hadn't really thought about that, but I mean, if if this is a if he goes out there and gets like marobbed. Like, Marab just takes him down and just, like, it just marobs him and just takes him down 30 times and just smushes him the entire time. I don't know, man. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be a rough night. And that'll be kind of a, a rough taste for him to have in his mouth moving forward. But I feel like he's, he's in that sort of, in that sort of, in that sort of Ric Flair-esque territory where it's just, like, I'm gonna go until uh, I'm gonna go until I lose. I'm gonna go until the wheels officially fall off. I was I didn't love this matchmaking. I actually feel the matchup favors Aldo. I know Marab is just a really tough out. Uh, yeah. Sorry, they had me like running the website too, which I don't understand why they do that. And yeah, I I don't know. There's a chance I'll say that. Uh, all right, Kevin, I see you. I see you. I see you. What's up, buddy? How you doing, man? Oh man, we call him Marab the Marauder. That's what he's gonna do to old Aldo, Marab the Marauder. Um. As far as 
the Polish fighters, my my Polish kinfolk, um, Matusz Gamrot and Jan Blachowicz. I say, like, Jan Blachowicz, he's next in line. What, what's this dude talking about? Anthony Smith is head and shoulders. I mean, Anthony Smith lost a rackage. Jan Blachowicz just got a win over rackage. So I feel like this idea Anthony Smith is head and shoulders, that's ridiculous. Um, and as far as Gamrock goes, I feel like him and Darush, they're, they're the next time. That's, that's the um, number one contenders fight right there. Ahead of, um, because I'm getting tired of these old guards. I'm getting tired of the Justin Gaethje's and the Dustin Poirier's. And it's time for to let these other guys get their opportunity. I don't even want to see Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler fight. I want to see Dustin Poirier fight someone like Fiziev. I want to see Michael Chandler fight someone like, I don't know, a top 10 guy. That's what they do. They keep feeding these guys the same people at the top because they got a big name. And they're just feeding off their star power. They don't want to give these foreigners the opportunity to get their title shot because they know it's inevitable. They know these guys are coming. And that's what I want to see there. But what's your thoughts on uh, Gamrod and Blahovich? Uh Thanks, Kevin. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I completely agree with all that. Like, I, think, I think, honestly, unless something... Like I said earlier, unless something spectacular happens in that fight, I think the winner is going to fight. I think the winner of that fight's going to fight Jan. So I think that's just the easiest way to do it. Fazeev isn't going to fight Poirier right now because Poirier just wants to fight. Fazeev's not going to be able to fight till the end of the year. So I don't think that happened. Like Fazeev wants Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje got nose surgery. Fazeev got nose surgery. Like, let's just do that. Let's just do that. Poirier and Chandler is a fine fight. Like, neither... Like, Poirier is not really in the title hunt right now. Chandler kind of is, but not really in a lot of people's eyes. So, like, this is just a fun fight between two dudes who just kind of don't like each other. You know what I mean? So, that's kind of where we're at there. I understand what you're saying about 155, but, like, look, they gave Gamrot freaking Benil Darius. They gave him Benil. They gave him the guy that everyone thinks should be fighting for the belts. Or a lot of people feel should be fighting for the belt right now. So obviously they, they're very high on Matush Gamron. And you should be after that fight with Armand Sarukian because at least I am. You know, like I think you all know how, how I feel about Armand Sarukian. Like I'm extremely high on that guy, and I feel like that guy's definitely gonna be a UFC champion in the next two to three years. That was a great fight. It's still my, like my favorite fight of the year. It's the fight I've watched the most this year. In fact, I'm probably going to watch that fight again today because it's so damn good. All right, I got to go. But Tristan, I'm going to let you in. You've been here the whole freaking time waiting patiently. How are you? Hey, Mike. Can you hear me? Yes. All right, Mike, um, just to add on to the Mago um, Anka Live versus um, Anthony Smith fight, um. I, I don't know about Anchor Live, man, because I don't know which Anchor Live we're going to get in this fight. I was listening to um, No Best Bard, and, um, you know, I know how Jed Mishu feels about Anchor Live, and he feels that Anchor Live is the best light heavyweight champion in the world. But I'm I'm saying to myself, man, yeah, I don't know. He's been doing a lot of Mr. Jackal and Hot. So I'm just – I'm very curious about him. I, 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 want, I want your thoughts on that of, like, you feel the same way. We're like, which ankle leg are we going to get? I mean, he's he's come off, what, three decisions? 
where those um that rivalry that he had with Ian Kutalaba, where he was just just was just destroying people and just was like really finishing them. And I'm I'm really wondering about Ankalaba. I, I you know, and I'm not. And listen, we you guys already touched about it about Anthony Smith getting disrespected, and he's looked rejuvenated. He looks impressive in his wins that he has had coming off of that loss that he um, previous had. I don't know if I, I think it was against Rockets. So, um, just your thoughts on that about Ankalaba, where he's at, and then my second, and then my second, my second thought too. You're spot on on the uh, Dana White contender series. Um, a lot of those. A lot of those fighters, I am surprised they didn't come out with a more sense of urgency to try to get finishes, man. And, I, you know, Dana set the tone and was like, listen, man, I want finishes. You're not going to show me finishes or you don't really want it. You're not getting a contract. So, you know, that's my thoughts, and I'll leave it up to you, Mike. Thanks for everything. Bye. Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it's not even it's not even that. In Dana's eyes, it's it's not just about you have to finish. It's you have to, like, go out there and try to finish. And I feel like, and again, there's, it is what it is. Like in fighting, the way the pay structure always works, like you get this and if you win, you get this. So your job is to go out there and win at the end of the day. But I do understand where Dana's coming from as well. Like I love the thing about the first two seasons of the contender series was you never knew who was going to get a contract. Like you just never knew. Like there were certain performances where you're just like, all right, that dude's definitely getting one. But then there were certain fights where you're just like, hmm, maybe. Maybe he gets one, and then it became kind of like season four, season five. Like, all you got to do is win, and you get one. And it was still fine. I still love the Contender Series. I still love watching it. I still loving because, I, I mean, I've been high on a lot of the guys that are on the Contender Series anyhow. But now I'm seeing, because we're doing it so many times, and we had, like, extended seasons in 2020 and 2021, like, there are certain names that, like, I was seeing for the first time that I'd been hearing about, and now we get the, the, the chance to see them, which is great. But I liked it. I I loved the speech. I really did. I loved how the tone was set. Like, come in here. Like, I don't care what you did the last five years. I care what you did on what you do on Tuesday night. And there are certain guys like the Costa from the the first fight. I think that dude's UFC ready. Like, I think he's really good. I thought we'd be seeing him in the UFC. He won. It was. It wasn't like a bad fight. It wasn't a like a great fight, but it wasn't a bad fight. But Dana just went in there and set the tone saying like, hey, the days of you just coming in here and winning and getting a contract, they're over. And I was, I liked it. I liked it. It brought me back a few years when a lot of us fell in love with the show. And I was saying like, got to watch this Contender Series show. Like this is, this is the best. This is like what I, what I was hoping for for like three or four years. And we finally got like, I know we had the Ultimate Fighter, but this is different. This is a whole different thing. This is what the Ultimate Fighter, like were we hoping the Ultimate Fighter would become. So I thought the tone was set beautifully. With Ankaliyev, listen, they set, they put that Tiago Santos fight together for Magomed to to go style on him, like go out there, just put him away quick, and you know do do exciting, like go out there and be exciting and win, like you get a title shot. And he just went out there and wasn't exciting, went out there and won, and he dominated, and it was a win, and he gets second half of his paycheck, which means a lot, but. To go out there and just like kind of like what we just talking about the contender series. When you have a title shot potentially up for grabs, like you got to do something to show that you're the guy. You got to do something. And Ankle Live just, he did, he won, but like that's it. Like the headline is like he won. It wasn't that he went out there and impressed. He didn't do anything. Like he won. So 
I know I got a lot of crap for saying like he needs to win another fight, but that's exactly what was happening. That's what's happening right now. That's why he's fighting Anthony Smith on Saturday. And the fight is intriguing because Anthony's got really nothing to lose here. Got a big chip on his shoulder and Anthony Smith with the chip on his shoulder is just a lot of fun. And Ankalaev is super talented. Like the guy is super talented on paper. He might be the best 205er on the planet right now. And if he fought Yuri Prohashka tomorrow, or if he's fighting Yuri on Saturday, I'd pick Ankalaev to beat Yuri Prohashka. I would. I would pick him. I don't think it would be the most exciting fight of all time, but I would pick him to beat Yuri, and I would pick him to beat a lot of guys. But Anthony, when he has that chip on his shoulder and he feels like he's flying under the radar and he feels like he's disrespected, these are the times that Anthony just goes out and shuts a lot of people up. So I love the fight, love the matchup. And like I've said a few times already, there are two title fights. There's some bangers on this card, but as far as like actual intrigue, this one might be the actual most intriguing fight on the entire card. All right, I got to get out of here. Like I said at the beginning, so much chaos going on. Command Center 4.0 getting the new flooring. So I got to make sure that's good to go. Uh, and supposedly I have a big interview coming up at the top of the hour. Uh, I will not tell you because I don't want to jinx it. But uh, I think you guys will dig it. But we got BTL going down 3 p.m. Eastern. Matchup TBD, still working on that. Hence the chaos. And then tomorrow of the weigh-in show. We'll be back here tomorrow as well. I'm not sure what time. We might go on before the weigh-ins, before the weigh-in show for UFC 277. Then we'll have your preview show. We'll have the People's Pre-Fight Show on Saturday, all your post-fight coverage on Saturday night after the event, and then AK and I back on Sunday for the matchmaking extravaganza on to the next one. And let me just say real quick, big shout-out to to MMA Fighting for getting the nom for Best Media Source for the Fighters Only Award. And big shout-out to Ariel Hawani, and Shaheen Alshadi, my colleagues, for getting the nod for the Journalist of the Year nomination as well. Uh, and shouts to everybody who got nominated. Uh, great stuff. And who knows? Maybe we'll be out there in Las Vegas. And we, I get to dress up and wear a nice tux and, and take that all in. But all right, everybody. Thank you very much. Have a great rest of the day. And as always, have a heck of a morning, everyone. Media Podcast Network. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. DraftKings brings you same game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. You can download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code VOXMMA. That's code VOXMMA for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just five bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 and over, age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligible. Eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.